play the fight song. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the Play the Fight Song podcast, the college football place to be. We have an action-packed episode tonight. I am joined alongside my co-hosts, JP, Reese, and Jake. We are excited to be here. If you're just hopping into the studio, we have a lot to go over tonight. We are going to talk on our top five active head coaches in college football, along with, obviously, we got to go through some recent news because there's always news bumping around in college football. And then we are going to do a little Super Bowl teaser, college football style. We're going to talk on Brock Purdy's time at Iowa State, get a little fandom insight, a little rivalry insight. This is the place to be, and you're in it. So let's go to JP. How you doing tonight? Are you ready to talk about probably one of your more hated schools that you've ever watched? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I had a case of the Mondays yesterday, and then today I found out Toby Keith passed away. It got to be one of the harder things. Uh, I don't like the celebrity stuff. Like I've never really been like has hit me that hard. But, like this one hit me pretty hard. Like this was my childhood. This was my favorite artist growing up. Obviously, a battle of cancer that he ended up losing, really, um, it, it was an inevitable thing. He found out pretty late, and he was able to do one more residency and a couple concerts in Vegas. I heard that sold out in an instant and were absolute, um, absolutely a blast in December, uh, but that one hurt. So my, my favorite album, I got it on here, Pull My Chain, Toby Keith's my favorite album, Shocking Y'all is also a great one. But yeah, on repeat all day, every day, I think the song my list is underrated by the way by toby keith so that's just one of my favorite things but i think it's important that we jump to the brock purdy stuff in this episode because jake brought it up you know he's getting i mean being an iowa state fan he always has him covered whether he's doing well doing great or he's regular season week two or week 17 now he's playing for a super bowl and he's getting more press than ever because full week of press at the super bowl and the guy still gets a little bit of hate here and there and he just wants to like talk through it like what really was it like in Iowa State? Because most people didn't watch Iowa State. Like whether they were good or not, it's not a national brand. Like it's a quarterback coming up from Eastern Illinois or coming up from Iowa. Like not a lot of people watch their football games and understand what he really went through at Iowa State. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, his perspective, my perspective, who uh, whose team played against him four times, and then Parks from an outside perspective and Reese from an outside perspective. Like let's just see what it really was. You know, you're well, muted. Jake- you're mute. You're You're still muted, mute. man. Good try, though. Red hot start for the live tonight, Jake. So but go ahead, chime in. And go again, take you said he played him twice. So played Iowa twice. And I didn't want to didn't want to talk before we got started. I didn't want to pull a Reese. Well, we were, that's we've been fair going. enough. We'll Hang go on. back. Why are we calling? Let's go to Reese. Calm down. Let's go to Reese. Nonetheless, sad day for country music fans. We'll go down to the other one who's also shouting out Toby Keith today. Reese, how we doing? Obviously, tough news, but hopefully, you're excited to talk a little college football. Yeah, well, it was sad. This, um, but as Jake, we have some great videos of me, you, and Caspi. Should have been a cowboy. I mean, just some all time videos. Shout out that guy, and just the embodiment of the USA. I mean, American Soldier uh, was a fan. It's just a fantastic song, and I'm one of those right now. So it's pretty. It's pretty cool that I mean, I have that. But yeah, college football is going to be exciting. Um. I'm excited to get to our uh, coaches debate because I kind of threw a curveball in there, just a little bit of a teaser later that I kind of think is going to be a good discussion point because I don't know if any of you guys are going to have them. So, Absolutely. Okay, let's start with the recent news in college football. Let's dive right in. A uh, lot to cover tonight. I assume the coaches discussion will take the majority of it, but let's go in. We got to lead off the Big Ten and the SEC kind of join hands and say, hey, sorry, NCAA, we're going to take this from your hands. 
We're going to make these moves in the future. What these two gigantic power conferences will do now is basically make decisions for the sport moving forward, whether or not the NCAA likes it. And they're powerful enough to do so. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. And what do you guys think will be the potential outcomes uh, after this move is made? Or, or I don't think we have a, a choice, but after this decision has been made, what do you guys think will come from this? Let's go down to Jake. I don't think they're making any decisions yet. I think it's more of kind of a, a I don't even know if threat is the right word, but it's kind of dodging the NCAA, especially with all the Tennessee allegations that went on last week as well. Like, hey, we're going to like kind of follow what you have to say right now but just so you know we're ready to take some action if it needs to be at this point and I think the main one I would say the main one right now has to do with the playoff and more specifically the automatic bids so right now for those who don't know there's six automatic bids because they were thinking one group of five and the five power or the power five conference teams um well the Pac-12 kind of still exists and the four other conferences were like, why would we do that? You're picking one one or the other of Oregon State and Washington State to get in. We're not going to do that. So they voted against it to go five automatic bids and seven at large. Well, come to behold, the only president that is upholding this from the College Football Playoff Committee is Washington State's president. So they're trying to hold their peace, probably just get some money out of it. I don't really know all of the tactics into it, but I would imagine that this alliance or whatever you want to call it will come into a factor. I bet the biggest thing that they're trying to get accomplished is automatic bids and who's basically allowed in. JP, what do you got? I think another part of that, like I like, I'd love to be in that room just to hear like the personalities clash, right? Like between the SEC and the big 10, like I, I saw somebody like, uh, referred to it as like the bloods and crips where the two guys are holding up the bandanas tied together. And it's like the big 10, the sec because <laughs> like, like, they they've hit each other's throat forever. Right? Like they, who's the power conference who really controls the rights, who is worth more money, who gets more teams. It's like at the same time, I think they're also a combining force against the NCAA and kind of saying that it's in response to what's going on in Tennessee. Is it probably a little bit? I'm not going to say it's not. Um, but at the same time, a lot of it is just like, where do we go now? How do we handle this? Because we hold the power here, whether people like it or not, and whether it's fair or not, that's just the truth of the darn situation. So I, I'd like to see what actually comes out of it. And I don't know when these meetings end and like after they kind of go through this, like say in six months or three months, what really comes out of this to the public eye? That's what I would like to know. Like, that'll be it's, interesting. I don't think anything in six months. I think this is at least a two year deal down the road. Well, it can't it's be gonna- because you in two years, you have to, or probably in a year, you're going to have to have a playoff format because you don't, it doesn't run for more than two years. Right. So like, they're not going to agree to a new one. So it's going to have to come out quicker than later. You would think, I guess. Yeah. But I don't know. What do I know? I mean, I'm not in the room right now. They have like the chalk teams in there that are going to make, that gives them the power to basically say this. It's going to take a couple of years of success within the 12 team playoff for them to keep this power. I feel like, like, God forbid an ACC team comes in here, takes up and dominates the big, big 10 and SEC in these playoffs. And then you kind of lose your willpower, but they do have the bigger brands, which make the most money for the NCAA. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of at the hands of and feet of them. But Reese, what do you got on this? I mean, ACC, they're a little bit out left to dry here with Syracuse. What do you take on it? 
I really don't know what to think. Like you're talking about, like we still we're still a little bit away from figuring something else or from figuring something out about what it's really going to be. Yeah, the others, but it's also like when the ACC uh, was AC in the Pac-12, like they kind of had their alliance or whatever. It's like that really didn't really amount to anything, and obviously didn't because look at the conferences right now. So it's like, is is these guys' word really ironclad, or is it this just kind of a thing we're saying right now because it does seem like we're the top two dogs? Um, so. Fair enough. All right, let's go on to some coaching changes. Um, there's not too many moves now. The people are kind of settling in. Obviously, Michigan is the most recent move, and so that includes a lot of moves outside of the head guy leaving. Um, Kirk Campbell is the new head coach. He was a former analyst for the Wolverines last year. He will OC. move in to the OC position. I'm sorry. Um, and then we will go to Jeff. Uh, sorry, I'm rolling through the Ed list have, here. Hey, we're human. Uh, we're Jeff, human. Jeff Haefeli, uh, Haefeli will move from Boston College into the NFL. Rumorings along come with Chip Kelly, who will have, I don't know. What do you guys think on Chip Kelly? You think he's going to be an NFL guy? It seems like he's his time is, is looking like it done in college football. It doesn't really seem like he wants, I don't to, think be he wants to be in college football. Yeah. yeah. And th- like, that's what I took away from it as well. Yeah. Um, and then Washington hires Steve Belichick for defensive coordinator and Brennan Carroll at the offensive coordinator position. So it seems that their three main positions are now set. From this list, what do you guys take away? What's your biggest hiring? And what do you think will be the outcome of these hires? JP. Jake, I think we talked about, or maybe we listened to some stuff and kind of saw the same stuff, but the halfway thing wasn't necessarily just to get out of college football. Mm -hmm. Uh, It sounds like they actually paid him a good deal better. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head what his contract was at BC, but it is tough for me to look at BC now because I thought Halfley was a good guy. Like I thought he was a good coach. They had some good years. Maybe he didn't hit some expectations certain years. I'm thinking like Jerkovic's junior year, right? Yeah. Um, but it is it is interesting to see another coach leave and then the Kelly rumors go around. So like, w- what do you really get out of it? I I think a lot of coaches are either tired of the schedule. Uh, tired of getting overworked a little bit, maybe. Uh, and at the same time, just better jobs for some of them. Like Boston yep. College isn't a top-level football job, but the Green Bay Packers are in Absolutely. the NFL, right? So, um, like, it, there's probably going to be more, but I would be shocked if we start to see them. This isn't done by March-ish, I would assume. Well, you talked about it last – was it last week when we were talking about hardball? Like – I think Reese was asking you, why would he leave? And you listed off like three perfect answers. You don't have to recruit. You don't have to spend a ton of money to get these kids to come play for you. Uh, In Hugh Freeze's case, you don't have to go online and play video games with them to just try to to convince them to stay. Like, yeah, you want to be a head coach in college football, but doesn't a defensive coordinator position in the NFL sound way better and way easier? And on top of that, you get get paid more? Like, where – what else was he going to take Boston College to? And now we're going to see it with Chip Kelly. Like, are we going to see this now where we're going to lose a lot of good college football coaches because to the NFL or just maybe sheer on retirement if they're getting close to it, just with the new day and age of recruiting and, and all of the drama that goes into it? Uh, with Belichick and Carroll, like, to bring in two former ch- kids from from – the NFL Belichick's interesting. Like Carol followed fish from Arizona. So that makes sense. Belichick. Was he just kind of like waiting out to see if his dad was going to get another job. And then once people realized Bill wasn't going to get another job. He's like, shit, no, where do more I go people. now? He, he is not, like, yeah, you were a really pretty good defensive coordinator in the NFL, but can he recruit? Can he put a defense together? That's going to be stable in the big 10. Like, 
I don't really understand it, to be honest with that one. And the Kirk Campbell uh, hire for OC, we talked about last week uh, with Moore saying, I'm not Jim Harbaugh. Well, you just promoted an analyst, so you're basically just going to run the same scheme and run everything mm-hmm. back. So you don't want to say you're Harbaugh, but it really seems like you're trying to replicate exactly what he did. So yeah. those are my there's takeaways no, from all those. There's no program identity change going on in Arnold no. in the near future. I don't think. And I don't think even if they – like, let's just say they don't achieve their goals in the next couple of years. A couple 9-3 and three and 8-4, and four, maybe one or two playoff appearances at most in the next four years. Maybe then some identity change, but then I think it's maybe not as much as the identity as the guy running the ship, you know. So I, I they're not going to change too much, I don't think. And it, it is safe. The guy's going to want to do what you want to yeah. do. You have the same mindset. So, all right, there is your coaching changes for this week, and that is the majority and all of the recent news we have in college football. Kind of a slower week compared to how much the off season has just been booming lately. But let's jump to. The purpose of the episode tonight, we are going to rank our top five active head coaches in college football. We are going to lead it off with JP. We're going to show you the list. We'll explain down the line. If you have statistics, back up your list. JP, actually, I'm sorry, Ooh. Jake's going up there first. Hey, man, Ooh, I, I clicked it. it. I clicked it, it and it started on the back end. So Slides backed Ooh. it up, but uh, this is a <laughs> disclaimer. I have to start with this. Jake sends me, everybody sends me this list separately. Jake today and the last list he sent me sent me at the top of his list was Gundy then Lanning then DeBoer then Kelly then Smart at the bottom sending oh, somebody a list one. five to one <laughs> okay okay insane. can I ask did you, this did you put it like upside down like under yeah, yeah, each yeah. other yeah I did I did and so, so you started he had to think one. he had to think he had to think reverse it he had to back it up and Parks was like <laughs> so who's number one I go who do you think's number one between Kirby and Gundy? Let's let's fair, just but at the same time, he doesn't want to assume <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> who you read top? That would have been a great dude. That would have been nobody out there that reads bottom up. Hell, right there. That would have been good. That would have been good. surprised everybody. I made it the other way originally, and then I was like, "There's no way." I had to double check. I appreciate you double checking at least. I imagine if I would have put it up there, and Gundy would have been one. But all right, everybody had Kirby Smart at one. So Jake, I'll let you lead it off and take it away. Yeah, I think I don't think much of this list is surprising. Maybe number five a little bit, and I had to back it up. I don't have a ton of stats on all of these guys, but I have it on Gundy because I feel like I have to support this one for being a top five in college football right now. I mean, to have a guy that's as tenured as as Gundy is is pretty incredible, especially in this day and age where I don't know if you guys remember when he wore that political shirt and him and oh, yeah. Chuba Hubbard had to take a picture together. And last year we thought that I was, I definitely thought like Oklahoma state was going to go into the ground, especially how they started. And even before the year, I just thought with no NIL support, you didn't really hit the portal too much. I thought Gundy wasn't going to be able to evolve and he's proven me wrong so far. And they bring back a lot of guys next year where I don't think like, why wouldn't they be able to win eight or nine games again? He's 166 and 79 in his total career at Oklahoma state. It's the only place he's had a head job. Uh, I would say he's still an elite play caller. Like he gets the most out of all of his quarterbacks. Let me list off his quarterbacks that he won 10 games or even nine games with Uh, Alan Bowman. uh, What's his nuts for the, uh, for the Steelers for the backup. Mason Rudolph. Rudolph, Thank you. Um, And then God, what am I thinking of 2011? 
Brandon Whedon. Whedon. Dog. Whedon. And then look at Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders went on to uh, Ole Miss and didn't get the starting job there. So four guys that are either poor with NFL careers or didn't have one at all, and he still maximized their potential. He's a three-time coach of the year in the Big 12. He was in Eddie Robinson coach of the year in 2011. 18 straight winning seasons. That's incredible. Eight 10-win seasons. The one disappointment I think you could mark on him, he's only got one conference title, but that was also in a South division with Texas and Oklahoma. Who knows what he could accomplish in the new Big 12. He's got 28 wins over top 25 teams in the playoff era. So that's why I got him at number five. He continues to be strong, and I don't see Oklahoma State really slowing down until as long as he's there. Dan Lanning, plain and simple, I think he's the best youngest coach in college football. Uh, he's an elite recruiter. I think he's an excellent motivator, and I don't see why he won't be in playoff contention with a 12-team playoff every single year. I, I have this team making a playoff easily next year. I think they're one of my top four teams in college football. Kalen DeBoer, uh, out of all this list, I think he's the best play caller in college football. He's got to be in there. Offense is a huge piece in the modern day of college football. He's the best one that calls plays. And I think for him to be regarded by Nick Saban, I don't know. For for everything that came out on him, I think that really speaks on how high he is. Brian Kelly, I think he's in your guys' top five. Uh, not sure where he ranks, but I don't think he gets enough credit. He's 165 and 68 in his career FBS record. He made four playoff or national title appearances at Notre Dame. I don't think people understand how hard that is, especially in modern day and in recruiting at Notre Dame. Uh, he won a divisional title at LSU in his first year. And I think Josh Pate said it last week. If LSU had even a relevant defense this year, just, I would say competent, competence, a better word. They would be probably in the national championship, if not a national champion. That's how good that offense was this year. Yeah, I put them in the playoff, but I thought they were going to have one. But, you know, coaches, so, kids, or I had him in there too. Up. Let's see what he can do with the new staff this year. Maybe he can take them to that playoff. And then last, yeah, Kirby Smart, I don't think. Yeah. I don't yeah. think anybody's got to back him <laughs> off here. Just, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I just like Kalen DeBoer being the best play caller. I think right now there's a guy on this list. It's not on your or not on this list. It's pretty damn good at it. You know who I'm thinking think of without saying. No, it? I don't know. I I am trying uh, okay. to think. Okay, no, hey, is it going to be on your this list? next list? Yeah, guarantee. But I'm okay. pretty sure it's on the next list too, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure is Reese. Right? I don't I actually. Have no idea what we're on this Gundy. In. Let's talk. Let's talk on this Gundy thing for a second. Because whoa, whoa, whoa. I what? Give me a chance. Because I got Gundy on there as well. Spoiler yeah. alert. But well, I didn't want to like I wanted to like rebuttal, then you were gonna have your opinion on the back end on your side. So like I right. was just gonna say, like, I I see what you're saying, and like you obviously were prepared to defend it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you're what you're saying is like it's a program that's not a perennial powerhouse, but it's become mm -hmm. a perennial winner. I also didn't want to like yeah, they win I didn't a lot wanna... of football games. No, 100%. I didn't want to put like all national title contending coaches in there. Yeah. I wanted to put like there are jobs that are hard to win at and there are jobs that squeeze everything that they can get out of yeah, that job. Absolutely. And I really think Mike Gundy is is one of those guys. Like I don't think Oklahoma State has to be a national championship contender. And to be honest, <laughs> he's one bad night in, in Ames from being probably a national championship coach in 2011. So that's even the crazy thing to think about. You don't just yeah, roll into I, Ames, Iowa, thinking you're going to win. Some would say. <laughs> some, some would say. Some would. Depends on the year. Depends <laughs> on the year. 
to the next one here. It is Reese. All right, Reese, yep. take us through it. All right, so Shaver mentioned number one, obviously, that we don't need to talk about that guy. Uh, number two, Ryan Day. You're going to look at what this guy did in the portal last year. And people forget this is a guy who was a 50-yard field goal away a couple of years ago from taking down that Georgia team and then going to a national championship and probably handing a TCU team. So that's another coach who very well is able to win a national championship, I believe, in the next three or four years. Shit, even this year, we'll see what they can do with the guys they bring in. Um, and number three, Kalen DeBoer, you're looking at a guy. We talked about him when he came down. But he's 104 and like 12 in his collegiate career as a head coach. Um, and he's doing that stuff. He just did that with a Washington team where they're not a perennial powerhouse in the Pac-12. He brought guys in, made it his own team. And now you're giving this guy all the power and resources at the University of Alabama. There's no way that university is going to go anywhere. That guy's bringing his coordinator with him. The guy just knows how to win. It's going to make it his brand of football. And like um, Shaver just mentioned too, if you're getting the, the um, tap on the shoulder from Nick Saban, like, hey, this is the guy we should get, that guy's a, probably a pretty good football coach. Um, so I got him at number three. And then number four, Sarkeesian. I got him at four just because I think they're going to be a team that's that – they're going to be relevant for the next um, number of years because with the Saban being gone, Texas gets elevated, I believe, and all the boosters and numbers they got. He's also bringing in players. He's doing very well on the portal. Um, getting getting that fan base back to a college football playoff I think is huge for them. And just to see what he has kind of progressed as a coach from, from the past when he was at USC – had the struggles. Um, the first couple of years at Texas wasn't really what they were what they were hoping to be. But I mean, you look at what he did this year and going into the University of Alabama and beating Nick Saban on his home turf. Uh, you got to be a pretty damn good football coach to do that. And then number five, I got Dabo. I I thought this would be kind of an interesting one. I don't know if anybody was going to have him just because of the God irrelevancy. No. I would say Clemson <laughs> seems to have lately. But here I'm going to come with some facts here, Schaefer. All right, in, all his right. 16, in his sixteen in his sixteen years, he's 170 and 43, two-time national champion. And who did he beat those two times? He went Nick Saban, lost to him twice as well. Um, eight-time ACC champ, three-time Bear Bryant Coach of the Year, twelve straight ten-win seasons. This last season was his uh, was his first season without ten wins since 2010 or 11, I believe. Um. And then from 15 to 20, he finished within the top five rankings at the end of the year. The guy has not adapted to the portal, but he is still a coach that was rivaling um, Nick Saban in Alabama for about a six-year window. D uh, DJU didn't really pan out, but, I mean, you still had Deshaun Watson, bad guy, uh, and Trevor Lawrence. You're getting guys like ETN. You're getting in that they had a solid defense. You had Venables, who is now a solid coach at the University of Oklahoma. So he had winners around him, and he made that university what it is today. He's leaving it. I mean, if he's however soon he's gone, that university is better today than what it was when he um, started off there. You, and you I don't think have to argue to with me. You don't have to argue me with me on that one. I completely agree. Well, I'm I, just this, this I, is just this is just a point I'm at at the end. Okay, gotcha. I'm just saying the trajectory but, yeah. of where he's heading or he's taking this program is more so why I don't have him in my top five. I wanted, I wanted to put him at four over five, but like that was kind of the reason why too, is like the trajectory is like, they're not in the right direction right now. But I think still to say this dude isn't a top five coach in NCAA right now, like with the two national champions over um, the greatest coach in college football history. Um, who knows if this guy's going to adapt or not, but he, he was up there for six years. It was always Clemson. It was Clemson and Alabama, the national title for, 
six years, like who's going to win it. It's going to be these two teams at the end of the year. Who's going to win. It? And you find a way to uh, go 50, 50 against the, the greatest coach of all time. The guy's a good coach. I, I don't think I'm there's a gonna... huge argument around Dabo Sweeney being a good coach. I also have him on my list. Spoiler there as well. JP flip us to the next one. Who's taking us through their top five coaches next. It's me. Okay. Whoa. Since nobody's done it yet. Let me uh, just do the Kirby Smart little excerpt here. Kirby Smart is 94 and 16 as a head coach with six SEC championships, two national championships. He's nine and two in bowl games, five and one in the college football playoff, three time SEC coach of the year winner, and one Broyles nominee at, and that was in 2009 when he was at Bama as a defensive coordinator. This guy's legit. He's where he needs to be. Like we said, we all had number one, but we had to list those accolades off. So I have Gundy at two, and I saw the eyebrow raise from Jake down under. Listen, man, this guy is a through-and-through winner. This guy has built teams, and I don't think we're mentioning the part that he's doing this at a school that I don't know if you can say forever, but for a majority of their existence has been little bro. Because if you're getting an offer from Oklahoma State, you're probably getting an offer from Oklahoma. And if not, you're doing it with guys that weren't good enough to go to Oklahoma. It's much tougher to do things like that. Jake and JP, you can probably somewhat agree. It's tough when you have competitive schools within the state. When recruiting-wise, developmental-wise, to get those kids, it takes a lot as a head coach. He's got his moments. He's had his the 2020, Jake, you mentioned the political stuff. The 2007 I'm a man speech will go down to history. Some of the accolades you didn't lift off. Three-time Big 12 Coach of the Year. He was inducted to the Oklahoma State Hall of Fame. He was there from 90 to 95, 1990 to 1995 as an assistant. Then he left, came back in 01, been there ever since. One conference title, that is his downfall. But eight, 10-plus win seasons, 12, nine-plus win seasons. I mean, he's just a winner through and through, and he's done it with players that are tough to get he's little bro he only he was four and 12 against Oklahoma within his first year with his first years and then he rattled off like six straight wins in the modern era of college football against a, a blue blood powerhouse in Oklahoma so I love Mike Gundy I think he's one of the greatest of all time um, and he's just a winner through and through Dan Lanning same exact reasons as Jake best young coach in college football I love listening to him speak. I love how much pride he has for the University of Oregon. I really do think they'll be around a long time. And he has this Oregon Ducks team ready to go in the Big Ten. Like th That is 100% a contender to win the Big Ten next year with Ohio State and Michigan and what they've done over the past few years. So love Dan Lanning. Ryan Day, this is going to be a little bit of clickbait for those Ohio State fans. They're, they're not too high on him. But this, at most programs, this career that he's put together in his short time, they might be building statue plans for this guy if he were to do that anywhere else. The whole started on third base thing, I can hear that argument. I can. But two Big Ten championships, three Big Ten East championships, which basically wins you the Big Ten, one Big Ten coach of the year. And like I said, those statue plans, he's 56 and eight, man. He's 56 and eight. And they kind of won his head now. There's other coaches in the past that can't win the big one. They've wor worked out if you stay with them. So I think if they stay with Ryan Day, he's still getting the recruits. He, they're still wide receiver U. He's still sending guys to the NFL that are starting as rookies. He's a good good head coach overall. Dabo, Reese nailed it on the head. He's been there since 2009. 
eight ACC championships is insane. Two national championships at a school that was kind of, I don't want to say dead in the water, but further down than they are now, obviously. Six and four in the college football playoff. One of the few coaches with a winning record there. 12 and eight in bowl games. And a lot of those bowl losses came towards the beginning of his career. He's just gotten better as they've gone on. Now, I do think you have to mention he has eight different coach of the year awards. Obviously, you know, you got the Bear Bryant, Eddie Robinson, ACC coach of the year awards. I think he has four, three or four of those. I didn't write that one down, but eight different coach of the year awards. These are my top five active head coaches. And I think Kirby is obviously the best as we all do, but that's my list. I want to hear it. What, what I know we're going to have some Gundy hate Reese. here. But well, I, I just got a thing. I just had a thought. If you guys would just blind <laughs> resume Mike Gundy and Kirk Ferentz, do you think you could tell the difference between the two? The answer is fuck no. Do you think you could tell the difference between Mike Gundy? Like if you blind resume It feels pretty quick uh, to defend there. He's got he's got uh, records, uh, records, a better wedding records, percentage. How long they've coached. Like I will say, I know like, I don't think you can tell the difference between the two. No, I, I agree, Reese. But the one thing, the difference between one or the other that I would argue, and I think Cam made a good point, is that Oklahoma State, well, I mean, when they took over, or when he took over, they weren't very good. And granted, yeah, Ferentz took it over after the debacle of the Fry era, but it was still like the 80s and 90s. Like, Iowa football was a perennial power under Hayden Fry. Whereas I feel like Gundy kind of brought up Oklahoma state to where they are today because of solely him, but that's, I don't yeah. know if that's even an argument. No, I agree. He's, he's, got, he's a great coach because of you being able to recruit. Like when Parker said, you are the little brother compared to Oklahoma, but like, I just kind of had that thought in my head. Like if you would blind resume, those two, I feel like I'd have a hard time distinguishing between the two. Sounds like wise. I would say, yeah, that I, that can happen. But championship-wise, <laughs> I would say, yes, they're dead on. I think you nailed it, Reese. But it's the overall being the little brother, still competing. Yeah. And I don't know, man. I JP's going to take this with a, with a ton of salt. But those teams that were good at Oklahoma State felt more like a threat than the 10-win teams that Kirk Ferentz has had at Iowa to, on the national scheme of things. Offensively, yeah, because they're just more – I mean, everybody respects offense. Like, if you're more, yeah, that if we're playing that football, fucking not... game, if we're playing that <laughs> fucking game, it's just because it's a little prettier. I mean, like, I that, that's what I'm saying. Offense, no it's, defense, more it it's more appealing to the eye. It's yeah, it's more appealing like, to the college. Ferentz's best teams, Ferentz's best teams, and like the Brad Banks team in 02, right, was nationally recognized. Like, they legitimately were a game away from playing for a national title, and then like you go into uh, 15 or 16, they win that. They're in a college football playoff. That's more than Gundy would have. I mean, again, I know that it didn't happen because he was a play away as well. But like, they both have eight, 10 win seasons. They both have one or two conference titles. Uh, Ferentz's winning percentage, I think, is a little lower if off the top of my head than maybe Gundy's is. Um, but like, it the little brother thing doesn't matter that much because we're not vying for four or five star talent in this state. We're trying to get twos and threes and keeping kids home. So like, and like obviously it's more if you're going off that then i what campbell's done is a bigger deal than anything because that program talk about in the shits and now is a favorite for the future of the big 12 like for the next five years right so i i don't know i i think so if you basically on paper you would see the end of the end of this argument goes down to way to go jake you killed our only 
hope that they would have had a national championship appearance in 2011 yeah. when Iowa State beats them. So way to go, Jake. You killed our uh, own James the quarterback then? And that Baylor. They, you can't that. score from the one-yard line seven Damn, times. You don't deserve to, to go play for a college football yeah. title. Oh, God. That was yeah, ridiculous. That was, that was a that stretch. Was but then, I will like, say. That's Oklahoma year. State fandom. That's what yes. it is. It's heartbreaking. The one, uh, the one comparison I will say Gundy and Ferentz have is that Especially nowadays, their fan bases say at least four or five times a year that they both need to retire or just give up coaching college football. Yeah. So that's true as well. That is true. Just as adapt, well. man. That's all we want. Yeah. Just adapt. Be a all part right. of it. There's my list. I haven't watched the press conference today, by the way. So, like, if anybody has anything to say on that, people oh, in the I, comments I or whatnot. Anything. I haven't watched it yet, so please just leave me alone. Don't say oh. anything. Oh, okay. So we're not supposed to say anything. I was going to say, I, I would, you're going to be excited. I'll tell you that. All right, JP, yeah, give I'll, us I'll the why, reasons why. Yeah. I mean, I think you did a good job parks running down the Kirby smart stuff. Um, but when a guy wins two national titles, arguably a play away from a third. And then he, you know, had a chance this year, just like you lose the SEC title game is an undefeated. You don't get in when there's four teams. That's just kind of part of it as a weird year as it was. Um, I think that's number one. Number two, I still have, Brian Kelly, because he didn't just walk. I know he walked into LSU with a lot of resources and a school that was, you know, just coming off a national title not too long ago. They have everything you could possibly want, but him flipping this program and flipping this culture as quick as he has tells you something, right? Even after all the crap that's come out about uh, him and like, as soon as he got on campus, he was just getting all the hate in the world. Well, kids want to play for him. That's why they're going there. Kids are staying there right kids are transferring there so like he is very good at what he does and he's done it for a long time in notre dame he's done it for a long like national scale top five top ten teams for a long period of time in two different schools so that's hard to do right uh number three i have sark a lot of the reason i have sark here I, I could hear three and four being flipped i really could and it wouldn't be that hard to convince me but i had to go a certain direction and i think what sark has done to really take the pressure that is Texas and is being the head coach there and then transition them into a winner. And, you know, I, I kind of think they should have played for a national title this year. I was that high on them. Um, but that's a lot of pressure to take in and then to continue to recruit there and then make it a destination for kids to come play there. There's not a lot of big names that have left Texas. And like Malik Murphy probably wanted to stay, but like the, like you just bring in too many, too many talent. Like somebody's got to leave somebody, only one guy gets snaps on Saturdays. Right. And he just continues to be a destination for people and be a part of a culture that has really accepted him and he's accepted it and taken, you know, all the pressure on the nose. So that's why I put him at three Four. Ryan Day's dealing with all the same kind of pressure, but he didn't have to develop the winner as much. Right. But I think he, is the best play caller that a head coach that's a play caller in the country. The guy has had elite quarterbacks. I agree, but most of those elite quarterbacks didn't do anything in the NFL as much, right? Like you saw CJ Shroud light up the world this year. Um, obviously the kid's talented, but the ability to scheme dudes open, it just makes studs out of three or four receivers for the past four years is uncanny to get people open, to make sure things happen. Now this year you kind of look at it and he changed. He saw his team and he goes, Hey, we got to play defense. The hire of Jim Knowles continually goes underrated. It's one of the best hires in the past five, six, seven years of college football. That defense is electric. They're going to be a top three defense this next year. They're going to go back to a little bit of a run style. The guy's adapting with what he has, and he's doing it at an elite level. Uh, can you look at Kyle McCord and say he quite, 
you know, wasn't quite what you were looking for. You weren't really getting everything out of him uh, that you maybe wanted to. You wanted to get the ball out on the edges a little bit more, but you weren't able to and stretch the field. So what? You still got him to that point, right? Like you lose one at the end of the year and it takes away. That's a 14 playoff, though. Like you lose that one. You don't play for a Big Ten title. You don't go play for a national title most of the time. Uh, but they are that talented. So I have him at four. And then I have Dabo Reese. You you did a great job of explaining this one because there's even with Thanks, his inability to pick the portal and like really adapt and really understand it. There's not a lot of kids leaving Clemson either. Like the people like to play for him. The guy still wins, right? Even if they've had issues, he had to reset. He had two really good coordinators leave him and he's still working, right? Whether you love him or you hate him. And I'm not the biggest dabble fan ever, but I respect the hell out of a guy that's got two national titles and X amount of conference titles and just continues to win no matter what. Because Clemson with Dabo is better than a Clemson without him. Because I don't know how big of a destination that becomes in the future if they're not in the SEC or in the Big Ten or they're not having a chance to really grow, right? Like, how much better does it get? Because they have resources, I guess, but they, they can't be that developed if the guy's not leaning into them. So it's it's a hell of a job. And that's my five. I could hear Gundy. I could hear Lanning, that was really hard for me to keep him off. I just want to see it a couple more years. I Two years for him and DeBoer is just not enough for me. I need more. This body of work from these five is better. Now, you could look at Sark at Washington and at USC, and maybe not wasn't quite the same, but his ability to take that pressure, I think, was a lot more than what Lanning was dealing with at Oregon, in my opinion. I think those are all great lists. I think we could probably make a collective, obviously, Kirby at one. I saw Brian Kelly on, I believe, Jake, was he on yours? I yeah, believe. Yeah, too. so yeah. three of the four list. Um, I forgot all about Brian Kelly at Notre Dame and kind of what he accomplished there, and that is a entirely different animal when it comes to recruiting because you got the academic side of it almost makes it impossible for some of these athletes. Not a shot, but just the truth. Um, okay. Uh, I, had, I got some honorable mentions. I, I was going to say too. I feel like I need to finally acknowledge well, it because we we kind of went on different paths. Like we like no. Gundy came on here because of harder to win. How about these guys? Hard to win places. Now one of them, mind you, isn't coaching there anymore. But you could <laughs> probably had the hardest job out of all of them, and we're not really sure what's happening in that world. Uh, but first one, Dave Dorn at NC State. What that guy's done. Winning program, winning coach, bought into everything that they are at NC State, have that one written down. Uh, and then I had Pat Fitzgerald. Like, I understand where we're at on this Pat Fitzgerald yeah. thing. But talk about a place that's hard to Just win. And you win two West titles and you can, like, that's a program that should never win. Sorry. Sorry. Like, straight blood. And they shouldn't win with the resources <laughs> okay, they have so the people. What about, I guess, the criteria depends. And you guys yeah. can roll your eyes and, and say what you want. But if you're going to throw Pat Fitzgerald, I mean, even Dave Dorn, I know he's only now. Well, I'm just saying, like, years if we're in, doing that he, part, hard to no, win. No, I at. know. I'm saying now that seven years in, similar to those two, I mean, why can't Campbell be in an honorable mention? He could. Probably, probably. I would, is he still not a top 15 or 20 coaching college football, depending on your criteria? We, like, we got to run that list down because that's, I feel like we'd get somewhere. So that's with a that. list. That's a lot I know, and it's a lot I mean, to think about in the heat of the moment. But if you're thinking of like a guy who maximizes potential, at, like you said, JP, and I'm not shying away from it. You look at Iowa State's history; there really isn't any, yeah, other than three or four years. And look what he's done the last six years. So, uh, quickly, Ference, Freeze, Norvell, Kiffin were four more that I had. 
I want to say, I want to say, because you said you argued mine a little bit. The reason I have DeBoer over Ryan Day and not Ryan Day on my top five, and Ohio State fans might agree with me. I'm not really sure where they sit. And it's just like DeBoer's just done again a lot more with than what Ryan Day has. Like, I hate the silver platter term and I hate the third base term, but it's it's kind of true. I mean, this you have DeBoer who started at an NAIA school and was playing in a national championship before I mean even Ryan Day was if you want to if you want to say it that way. But I don't know. I think that I would be interested to see, and it will never happen because it's a it's a fake comparison, but put Ryan Day in DeBoer's situation at Washington or even Fresno State. Is he still as an elite? of a play caller as, as he is regarded as, is that a fair question to ask? Well, yeah, I think it's a fair question to ask anytime, but like, depends. I mean, it depends on what he goes with. Like, I I just think he's that good. He is. And he's great. And like those receivers at Ohio state were drafted highly and, and are all successful in the NFL for probably a reason. I mean, his staff and what he's Mm. been able to develop definitely helps, but like, I would just love to see what Kalen DeVore could have do with with even last year's team that was a kick away from beating Georgia I think I will answer that question I know JP didn't maybe get a straight answer but I would say if Ryan Day was at Washington this year yeah I think they're just as good I think you give him an upgrade at quarterback I think you give him a serviceable comparison between Marvin Harrison Jr. and Roma Dunze but I think yeah I think maybe even the quarterback upgrades enough to say a little even better for Ryan Day. So I, I'll say defense. yes on that. That sure. It, but a downgrade. Yeah, I don't know. Ohio State's defense was legit this year. I think they were that kind of went under the radar, but they were pretty good. But good questions. Good questions. Okay. Any closing thoughts on these? Any shots from the last people? Reese, you're awfully quiet down there. Lance, you like everybody's Lance, list? Lance Leipold. He'd be an honorable I, mention. That, that's good. Again, that's that's good. Good. Yeah. Lance Leipold. Really that's like to be that. proven, but like maybe like next year, two couple years, you'd be like, hey, maybe that guy. Yep. I would be. I, I'll be here for the Matt Rule conversation in a few years as well. So, all right, let's jump to uh, the question that comes off of our coach rankings. This is a fun one. Jake came up with it, so I'll let him lead it off. But college football, not just the top coaches, but any college football coach out there right now that you would enjoy sharing a beer with, what choice of beer? What's the choice of beer that you think that coach would have, and and who would you pick, Jake? The choice of beer, I'm I'm not really sure. I think it depends on. <laughs> but but Reese also phrased the question this afternoon on: Are we doing active or former coaches? I did active. I think I'll active. go active. Well, I, have well. I have both. I have both. I don't know. He doesn't seem like a beer guy to me. He honestly seems like maybe he's having something on the rocks. But is Lane Kiffin not like the most interesting man in the world? Ooh, does does Aki's commercial? I don't know if we would one. jive, man. I think that one. <laughs> you know. <laughs> If it's you just get, kind of an odd duck. I don't know if we die. I think that one. That's funny. <laughs> Maybe get a couple of uh, tequila on the rocks for him. That's kind of looks like he, what he will drink. If he gets know. a couple of those in him, tequila sodas a little bit. Would you be honorable mention if we go former? Definitely Mike Leach. Like those are my those yeah, are my two. That's what, that's what I had written down. That's what I. That's all the one you had written down, Reese. Well, I have an active one too, but I was like, okay, because there's also stuff like, <laughs> like you can Google him. You can Google Mike Leach quotes. There's an entire website dedicated to it. Is yeah. there's some funny <laughs> stuff on there? Like, remember, remember the reporter who asked him, like, "Hey, Mike, uh, kind of okay. a strange question, but like, if I'm all the Pac-12 mascot, <laughs> if all the Pac-12 mascots were gonna fight in a battle royale, like, who would win?" And he yeah. spent like a minute just thinking about it. Like, that's a funny dude. Like, you could have a, you could talk to that guy about 
football. You can talk about that stupid shit. You can talk about whatever you want. That guy would just be a good time. And he seems like a guy who can delete a beer. Like you wouldn't even know he he had, he had 11 already, but uh, great conversation. JP, you mentioned the married one. That's an all time. That was so funny. (laughs) Well, what's his name? Ever. Yeah. He's all timer. All right, JP, who you got? Uh, Mike Leach would have been my former as well, but JP, who you got on this? Uh, it's funny that I mean, I both the ones I had written down are current coaches, and we mentioned them. I had Mike Gundy down, uh, as well as Dave Doran. I think those guys are just they'll let you know, like they're, they're no bullshit, <laughs> just straight to the point. Like, we're, we're here having a few beers. Why do I care what you know what I mean? Like, let's talk. So, I think those guys are no bullshit, ton of fun. Um, they look like they'd be the dive bar guy. I, I think, I don't know if like North Carolina, like what they got regional beers out there a little more popular, probably I don't know what brand they'd go, but if we're in Iowa, we're drinking Bush light. It's not changing. I like that. All right, race. Who you got on this? Who you having a beer with you guys? You guys might hate this one, but you know who would just be a, a good time. Could have a, it would have a, just a lot of stories. Dion. He would have a lot of stories. Dion would. Stories from the night that guy, that guy played in a world series and a super bowl in the exact same year, Mm -hmm. uh, ended up losing it, but the guy was his, uh, eight time pro bowler, two time super bowl champion. That guy, like he's a household name now, but imagine that dude in the nineties, like that guy could do whatever he wanted. Like that guy that he would have stories on stories. He could flip open his phone and call somebody. You have no idea. Here's, here's the deal. Now, but he would be a great time to have a drink with. I, Definitely considered him, but like he kind of also seems like the guy that would like be too good for you to have a beer with. Like he doesn't drink beer, he's not gonna sit down, he's he's too up well, either way. Head. Okay, okay, <laughs> sit down with me and let's just have let's have some waters and talk <laughs> about life or something, man. Like that guy, I feel like that guy would have a good perspective on some stuff, and he would just be like he also just has a bunch of sayings and shit too. He would just lay some one-liners on you, I'm sure. Oh yeah. I think that's a fair pick. I you can maybe do it in his new house at Chitter Bottom. So yep. that's a good, good choice. Guys. I'll take, uh, mine's a little different. I will say I thought of two guys initially, the one I boiled down to, and it's just because he gives me the thought that he just knows enough about life and his perspective that it would be like a deep, good conversation. That's David Braun. Like that guy just seems like he's got something figured out about how to go about life in a boss manner, I guess, or a, a dominant manner. Cause he just seems like he's got everything figured out. And I love to listen to him talk. What he did this year was so impressive that, you know, he just has these, some principles, ethics, whatever you want to call them that take him to good places. So I think David Braun would be a great guy to share a beer with. And I also think he probably has a wild side that you don't get to see at Northwestern. So that would be a fun one for he's me. Got, he's got a good, would let you date your sister type of vibe to him. Yep, I I trust him. I was gonna say, if you're not looking for a beer, if you're looking to like delete a case, I think another honorable mention would be Eli Drinkwitz or just Coach O. I yeah, think Coach O would delete it. I wouldn't know what he was saying half the time. I need <laughs> some titles in person. Uh, one yeah. guy that I wouldn't share a beer with, if you guys have this off the top of your head, but I don't want to be around. PJ Fleck. Maybe JP will agree. Yeah, but yeah that's a good answer. JP, JP would pass. rip that tie off that guy's head. <laughs> yeah, I'll pass. I'll pass, I'll, I'll pass PJ on the PJ Fleck screen. I, I think I, I've had seen enough conversations about himself, so screw off. But all right, that was fun. Let's go down to the discussion of the night. We're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, but we got to put our college football spin on it. We're going to talk about Brock Purdy's time at Iowa State. We'll go through. We got a list of little questions here. But first off, there's so much hate going around this name, Jake. 
What's going on with this? Why do you think that he gets the hate that he does? It's just kind of been the MO of his career. Uh, it's his transition from an Iowa fan to now just jabronis who love to watch first take in the mor- morning. So kind of the hate is, has switched. It's just like, I don't know. I it, People, it's funny how America works. It's like they want to root for the underdog until the underdog is king. And once people like stop rooting for the feel good story now that everybody just wants to doubt him and he can't, that he can't keep doing it. And I don't want to be that guy, but he just continues to prove everybody wrong. I agree. And not to mention, there's a lot of people on his side this week, just for the Taylor Swift factor. So I think they they may, may have been hating on him all year, but he's got a lot of fans back. JP, why do you think Brock Purdy gets the hate that he does as a person who probably hates him a lot or hated Uh, him? Maybe. Maybe loved it. Because he has the non-rewarding, you know, the no, I can't think of the way to say it, but he's on a team that's really talented around him, right? Um, comparisons came from from Dan Patrick this morning is actually talking about this, right? Um, when you look at Terry Bradshaw when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, like that, those teams were that good. Like, how can you not win a Super Bowl with those teams? It was kind of what we looked at him. And then Troy Aikman with those Cowboy teams, the same thing. It was a lot of like, how do you not win? Like, how you have to win. It's not because wouldn't, of you, you're winning. Wouldn't they argue win. like Tom Brady? Wouldn't he be this early in his yeah, career? No. Wasn't he the same argument? Like, Probably, when he replaced but he won he replaced, seven. I know, but early in his career, when he replaced Bledsoe, and everybody said it was Belichick's defense, and he didn't score a ton of points that first, like, that offense wasn't very good his first Super Bowl he won. That's just like, yeah, but he didn't early have comparisons. the he didn't have the amount of talent around him that Bradshaw and Aikman did like, and then Purdy does right now, like the amount of talent around sure. him is ridiculous. Um, but he does. I mean, it gets a lot of hate because he's a 49er on a team that's talented. And I don't know, like, it just seems like a lot of it is people don't want him to succeed because it's like, he's not the big name, right? Like, it's just kind of one of those things. People pick and choose who they want to like, depending on what's put in front of their eyes. In this opinion, it's Purdy's been shoved down your throat for about a year and a half now, especially you live in the state of Iowa. Like it's every week. The guy could throw six interceptions, one interception in a hundred yards and still be a front page news the next day. Like, so like people are going to have an opinion on it. Right. And it's just different in the NFL than it was in college because in college it was, it wasn't a national story every week. And I love them when people stick up for him hate wise, when they say, you know, he has all these weapons. He's surrounded by great players. He's in the NFL, jackass. What is he supposed to do? Do you want him to not throw to Debo Samuel? Like, would that well, make you feel better about Brock? Purdy's I mean, he talent? could be like, he's good. He could be in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, the NFL. Like, that's the same. It's the same argument. Like, you, you can't say he's in the NFL. What's he not supposed to do? But he could play in Chicago where Justin Fields is. And you tell me who to throw a football to there. But he's not like picking he could be and playing. choosing. That's a front office. No, it's issue. not him picking and choosing, but it is like it's still the NFL, whether in Chicago or San Francisco. He just has all pros at four different positions. If and not then you like, four. In that situation, Justin too, Fields like anybody is like. That's true. That's I would argue, that. like, see, that's my problem with the argument is that they see Purdy as a, a plug and play guy. Like he's replaceable with anybody. 
And I just don't think that's true. Like there's a reason why when everybody says that they should cut him or he shouldn't be the starter next year, there's not a single guy. Shanahan's not saying it. McCaffrey's not saying it. The San Francisco 49ers fan base isn't saying it. There's a reason because this guy gets it. Is he the most talented quarterback in the NFL? Absolutely not. But I think he adapts to Shanahan's system well. My team, for instance, if you put Garner Minshew in Brock Purdy's shoes this year, they're not in the Super Bowl. I could list off 10 other quarterbacks. I would put probably, probably I would probably argue you put Justin Fields in San Francisco. They're not in the Super Bowl. Like there's an at least the half, there's probably 10 to 15 quarterbacks in the NFL right now that I think you could throw in San Francisco. And they go, they drafted a first a guy in the first five picks. He couldn't cut it out. Jimmy G couldn't cut it out. Like we've seen this before where other guys have been in Purdy's shoes and they couldn't get it done with the talent in San Francisco. So to say that anybody could do what he's doing is just, I don't think it's true. I simply think it's not mainly, but a a big chunk of it is because he comes from Iowa state and he's the last pick in the draft. Like if this was CJ Stroud, it's, they're not questioning it. Like, Oh, this guy, it wouldn't be, Oh, he has so many weapons. It'd be, Oh, he's elite. But because of where he came from, which is the topic of this, that is why the hate lies in my mind. Um, but what was different, Jake? We'll go to you on this first, obviously, with the fan opinion. I can tell you what was different. What was different in his time at Iowa State from his game now? I think, obviously, what sticks out is the, the big-time mistakes, the dumb interceptions, the fumbles that, obviously, you always saw on highlight tapes. Great but what was clip. different in his time at ISU? And then give me your real fan fit, feel and kind of your thoughts on Brock Purdy as a player in his time at Iowa State. Yeah, when I think you when you ask me this, I'm assuming you're meaning like what was different. People are maybe wondering who didn't pay attention, like why didn't this team win a national championship or something right. ridiculous? Like why, why weren't they, weren't in, they the in a playoff? playoff. Yeah. Well, first of all, to the naked eye, for any person with common sense, Iowa State <laughs> doesn't recruit on a national level. Like they don't even recruit in the top 50 in college football on a normal basis. Like we're lucky to have a 55th ranks recruiting class in college football. Yes. Did they have Brees Hall? Who's probably the best running back in, in the NFL right now. Yes. David did they have Hakeem Butler, Xavier Hutchinson? <laughs> they had these guys where they developed Brees Hall had like two scholarships out of high, out of high school. They didn't, this was all development and it's easy to have like those guys at Iowa state, but Iowa state offensive line wise, when he was in school was easily the bottom half of the big 12 and easily the bottom half of power five football. Like it's not even close. So the, the line of scrimmage is huge for him. And that just forced him to do a lot of things that he was probably not capable of doing. He had those stupid turnovers because he felt like he needed to do too much. And I was one of those guys where like that Clemson game, I mean, his last play as a cyclone is the most incredible. It's incredible it's, stuff. It's, a fun, it's, it's one of the best clips in college football history. That is remarkable. It's it the has most to be. accurate, like Brock Purdy thing of all time. Like he's going up against a team that is superior to our talent level in Clemson. And he tries to make the most of it. And he just about does. And he gets a huge clutch first down <laughs> and he fumbles it. Like that's just who he was. Um, I, for one, I'll admit I was a guy who didn't take for, or I took it for granted a little bit. Um, the, the turnovers at times got just, yeah, they got annoying to me and I'm a, just a guy who just didn't take that well. And obviously like somebody said in a podcast, I think it was another cyclone podcast I was listening to when you're 18 years old 
and you step in and you're seven and two as a starter in your first year and you take Iowa State to heights that hadn't they hadn't seen before, like everything else from sophomore year on was going to be giant expectations. And I think the expectations at times were just a little too high for what we could bear. And he had a horrible offensive coordinator. Sorry, Tom Manning. You're just awful. Manning catching strays. All right, let's go to JP uh, as an opposing fan opinion. Brock Purdy gets to play Iowa twice in his career. What did you take away from his time there? Do you think he was an elite quarterback in his time at Iowa State? JP. That face elite tells by me. What? Say elite, elite in what way? Elite what, Iowa okay, State. Can I ask, in, in whatever ask, way no, no, you no, can no, 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 no. Let me ask. Elite. So no, no, no. we'd have to go back. You look at his draft class. Was he not a top 15 quarterback at least his senior year? In college football, well, he was a top 255 pick. <laughs> top two good, good point, pick. Reese. Good yeah, pull there. Was he <laughs> not okay? Serious question: Was he not at least a top 15 quarterback in college? I would argue, absolutely yes. Doesn't make you elite in college. Quarterbacks of the class. Yeah, you'd have to show me the full list to go through that off the top of my head. But also guys that didn't he's an elite quarterback at Iowa State level. Like he is second to Seneca Wallace, and there's not really an ar argument there. Um, but he reached heights that Seneca did not. He, he was on better teams, maybe some teams that underachieved, maybe some teams that overachieved, and probably evens itself out a little bit. But I think just the the longevity of him being there for four years and then still going seven and five, eight and four, I think pissed fans off. It was, we just want seven wins in a bowl game to why are we not playing for a Big Ten or Big 12 title in year three and four? which is, I'll admit, a little aggressive. It is, but that's the reality of the situation, what it became. Like, it was like, how how do we flip? How do we get to Deckers? How do we turn the page? This kid's a better passer than Purdy is. Maybe he won't make the dumb mistakes and lose us games. Well, you know what Deckers is never going to do? Win you big games. Not that play he's again. playing football for him anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got him. Also true. Again. Got him. Good call. He, nobody knew he was also going to play again. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but then you go to like Rocco and people are like, dude, Rocco, here comes Rocco. What if Rocco is just Purdy point two? See, what if I just, what if he's the same dude? I, I personally, he's playing a different big 12. He's, he's doesn't take the risk as much as Brock does. Um, but I enjoy watching Rocco a lot. He's really smart. Like he doesn't make the Purdy decisions, but I don't think the coaching staff allows him to do that either. I don't think he has that trust that Purdy did. But do you think he's going to be in three years be more beloved? Than no, Purdy? no. Will he will he go down better as a cyclone better than Brock Purdy? Absolutely not. Like there's no Rocco back without I, Brock Purdy. As soon as as soon as they could say Brock Purdy's out the door, they're like, damn, I love Brock Purdy. But a week <laughs> prior, when they still had a game to kick off on Saturday, it was like, dude, this guy is just uh, come I on, would, man. And I think the one thing we forget is I think the Brock Purdy conversation at Iowa State. It's recency bias. I think that senior year just left a lot of people with a sour taste in their mouth. And the national media is to blame for it because, I mean, I love Josh Pate, but you have oh, guys like him. Oh, shit, the national media. Oh, my God. What do you no mean? No way. The, what they are, are not about? to blame for you underachieving the way you did. No. 
I'm just saying that like the expectations were sky high because everybody thought that that team was going to be a college football playoff team. Like there were people who, well, they did win the Fiesta Bowl, Jake. I think that they were right. No, I know. I I agree. I agree. My first bets ever. I (laughs) shout out. No, 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 no. Nope. Your expectations in aims from your own fan base were higher than the national media. So you had one guy pick you to go to the playoff in a bad big 12 that year. And you're like the national media, the national media that the me, people on campus and in that city and in that fan base blew it up. There were a lot That's of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I need you to say, I need you to say this I with just, me. All right. Well, I'm confused. No, I just said it. This is your He's fan base saying... that made those expectations, not the national media. Yeah, but you could argue that, like, if we were saying that we were going to be a college football playoff team, and the national media didn't think so, why would we be? Why would we have been entered as a top ten team that year? Like, we could have thought that, oh, we return everybody from our Fiesta Bowl, but national media thought it's Iowa State. It was a fluky year. They're not in the top ten. They set us up for that. There were people oh, that said it's you. Iowa State no, and it's Oklahoma. <laughs> so any ranking in the top mean? ten? No, it was mostly everybody in Ames. Into that fan base. If you don't want to be in the top 10 in the preseason, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, they were talking like a town for like a week. You're acting like Iowa State was you. The Iowa State fans were the only people who thought that that no. team could. No, could I'm do. saying after week two, after week two, they were. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think so, but that wasn't my, yeah. I oh, didn't come think on. that. They, they were still expected to win out. I mean, yeah, they could win still the big they 12, had a chance to win the big and have a chance at it. Yeah, I think going off of that, I just think that uh, yeah, when it, going seven and six after his senior year, yeah, know. it left it left a lot of people with a sour taste in their mouth. They thought they they underachieved there, but the grand scheme of things, looking back, I mean, was seven wins probably the style of football that they played. Yeah, that seven was not wins the ceiling for that team. No, seven wins wasn't the ceiling. You're saying? Yeah, like they. That team could have won 10. They could have. Probably should have. They also, they played such marginal football where they could have only won six games. Let me introduce you to a team who plays a lot of marginal football and just won 10 games. All right. Yeah. yeah and right we there. did the year before. And and you, where we yeah, won nine but, games the year the, before. But, but, but you had an offense that wasn't ranked 132nd. Right. So we can yeah. win football games in marginal football, Jake. It's possible. It's possible. Except that defense also, that defense, Brock Senior. You had a good People forget defense. that they gave up 45 to Texas Tech and 42 to West Virginia, both on the road. So people forget that. People yeah. don't like to I bring that up. I also don't know if we've seen a Big Ten or Big 12 overall conference as bad as the Big Ten was this year overall, top to bottom. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, that's different. We're getting, now we're that's getting fine. The 10 games, 10 that. games. <laughs> well, that was the comparison <laughs> he just made to you, Jake, was, that Iowa wins 10 games this year in the same situation that you kind of laid out. Yeah. Marginal football, but in your defense, the big 10 was so bad, much worse than what the big 12, big 12. I get, yes, I get what you're, I get what you're saying. My, my outside fan perspective. And and it's a little bit different because we're not rivals by any means, but Brock Purdy's career at Iowa state was elite at Iowa state elite for Iowa state. Good to great overall. I can hear both. I mean, if we're listing accolades tonight, like we did for the coaches, I was going to say, two-time, I, yeah, first team all Big Twelve, twenty and twenty-one, second team mm-hmm. as a, as a senior, all American, 
Fiesta Bowl MVP in 2020, a ton of academic. He was a nerd. Uh, Davey O'Brien semifinalist, Manning Award semifinalist, 2018 Big 12 True Freshman of the Year. I mean, he has a great college career overall, but elite for his school. And as a fan, and this is a little bit different than what JP, like I just said, would say, but we used to play Iowa State. But now as an outsider from a different conference, daddy doesn't get mad when the son succeeds. It doesn't, it doesn't make me mad. I'm glad he had a good career. I want to, I want to ask that. And I want to take like the bias away guys. If we put this guy, if we put this guy in Brennan Armstrong's shoes at NC state, I'm sorry, JP, not to say you're not being biased here, but we're regarding Brennan Armstrong as an elite college quarterback. If we put Brock Purdy's, Stats in four years. Oh, not, I never said NC Purdy State. had a bad career. I never said anything bad about his but college you, career. You asked if he was an elite college quarterback, and I'm arguing elite he is. overall. I don't yeah. think he's an elite. Like and if we're looking back for that year or overall, like if I look overall, in 15 like if you're, like years, if you're talking four years in college, he threw for twelve thousand yards. Threw for twelve. I got his. I got his stats right here, Jake. Don't worry. Like I, I see them. I read them. Here's my read, also my gripe. My one gripe, I think, because Reese said this the other day, he's like, well, I don't think many people paid attention to him in college. If at least on the casual side, like for the diehard college football fans, as we are, if there was a guy in Purdy's shoes that played four years, was usually a top 25 team. Like if somebody goes, who's Iowa State's quarterback? You don't even have to second think it. Like who's, you know what I mean? Like if this were happening again at at another school similar to Iowa State, we would, in the blink of an eye, we're like, well, of course we know who that quarterback is. Like he's been around for four years and they're mm. in the top 25. So was he well-known at least in the college football diehards? Absolutely. I don't think there's any question. But would they consider him I, a leader? Or would they just say he's good? They would say he's above average good in the yeah. grand scheme of Somewhere college football, but he's elite when it comes to Iowa State's history. JP, above, you said that too. Above average. He's a better than above average. I'm not saying he's yeah. above average. I'm not saying he's below or like. So you put I'm him not in saying he's average. Good he's, or gr- above average, good, great. He's like between, kind of on that. He's in between good and great. Yeah. Whatever yeah, that is. I don't know. Whatever and the biggest was. change from his game Super. is just taking the weight and the mistakes. And obviously, I mean, he has more weapons in the NFL, but he has more weapons than most of the NFL does and where he's at. So all in all, I think this was more cordial. It got a little chippy there. JP got a little chippy. And, then, and that's to be expected. I, I did call I just saying, my son. Proving well. point. It, it's fair enough. For to put a bow on it for like the last question we have, would you say over underachieved or overachieved in his career? Over. Um, he overachieved, but it feels like he underachieved because of what you said, Jake, senior, in that bad senior. taste. Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, he was he won seven games against top twenty-five opponents. I mean, for an Iowa State fan, you played Clemson, Notre Dame, and Oregon in a bowl game. That's was unprecedented before him. You won three straight years against Texas. That's let true. me tell you, let me tell you this. As a kid who went and saw Texas come to Ames in 2008, and they were up 50 at halftime, and we just went to Applebee's and just went home. If you'd have told that kid we'd beat Texas three straight years <laughs> after that, it's it's a lot different from, from where you come from. And it from, can happen. So. And then obviously you won a New Year's Six Bowl, also something you never, never would have thought of. And Jake, not many quarterbacks, a, a decent majority of quarterbacks would not be able to say this, but he is one of the few to beat every Big 12 team. Yep. 
yeah, he beat every single Big Twelve team in the conference. So and that, that's pretty so cool. Another thing. another thing, like for that for that year, and and obviously the Matt Campbell era, like you go into every game at least thinking you have a chance. If not, you should win. That was not that wasn't a again that wasn't a thing fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like if we're even close to at halftime against Oklahoma, that that's a win in itself. Right. The program, the, the biggest difference, kind of like how we, yeah, the, I'm not going to get into that. My point, I'll tell you after, but all right, that's everything. That was everything for tonight. We're running a little long here, but we appreciate you being here. If you haven't hit the subscribe button, oh. if you're on our YouTube right now, Jake, like, comment, subscribe. I, I think before we go out, like who, who do we got in the Super Bowl? We got to at least pick as a group here. It's probably the Chiefs. I right? can't bet against Pat Mahomes. San Francisco. Yeah. I bet against I mean, Pat Mahomes one time, and I was wrong. Cheering I for the Niners, not. Chiefs will probably win. I yeah, will not. I'm with that one. Cheer I'm for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I don't I'm think not. anybody here would cheer for the Chiefs. Jake, are you on the Chiefs? No, no you got to be right. I, I really do. I've been on on the train that Kansas City is just not very good this year, and I just for they some keep reason, winning. I know. They have the best. I know. You have Patrick Mahomes. Of course, you're going to probably keep winning, but I'm going to keep – I'm not going to get off it like I did – the Michigan train this year. I'm going to just stay on it that, that Kansas City's not going to win at all. All right. Shout out there Hager out there. If the 49ers win, he's going to become the biggest oh. 49ers fan out there in the world. So I can't believe I can't wait. I would love I to can't see. Wait. And I think we can all say in the Midwest, the Chiefs are even hated. Like if you're in the Midwest and you don't like the Chiefs, it's even more elevated than if you're outside of the Midwest because their it's, fans are unbearable and they came out of the woodwork. They're like Cubs fans. They just, came, they just showed up out of the sewer. I'm like you weren't even cheering for them two years ago. You just, excuse just me, popping up. Reese, Reese, popping you, up. Were, excuse me? you were a true fan. Reese, we're not, Reese, we're not excuse blaming me. you. Reese, Ryan Terrio, Mike Fontenot. Reese, we're not <laughs> about you. Anyway, funny, funny thing. It's a. Like, it's that classic Derek meme Lee. from Batman. You either live yourself. There, that's a good one right there. Shake <laughs> You either uh, die oh, a hero or see yourself become the villain. That hey, he threw a no hitter in Milwaukee against the Astros. People don't remember. Aramis that. Ramirez. Um, <laughs> I know ball. Hall of Fame. Uh, another thing I forgot <laughs> to mention. I will leave you guys with probably the worst take I've heard all year that I heard last night. And there was alcohol involved. Indoor golf simulator. But I heard Michigan was not a top five team in college football this year. <laughs> that was a, a real take. That he tried to support like, like, with. What do you mean? Like in, 20, in 2023. That Michigan was not a top five football okay. team. You can, you can tell people it's okay to <laughs> not talk sometimes. Just be like, hey, I know you've had a lot and you just want to be edgy and you think you're smarter than everybody, but shut up. He said Michigan is good on this podcast that he's not listening and we don't want your ears anyway, buddy. There's too much knowledge in here. You know, you know. Why why dudes stay great friends for a long time? Because they keep each other in check. And whoever's those, that guy's friends are needs to keep him in check. All right. We don't no, like Reese post thirst thirst trap. Knock him. Like let him know. Yeah. Uh, slap yeah, him yeah, on the hand. Let him know, guys. Right? Let me right? know. Jake gets out of line saying Iowa State is this or that, and they didn't hype up themselves for that year. Slap him on the hand. Keep him in check. You know. Yeah. You just gotta that, keep it in check. We do that here. So anyway, we appreciate you being here. We have a bunch of viewers just hopping in. Hit the replay button. Hit the subscribe button while you're in here. Follow us on all platforms like at Play the Fight Pod, except for TikTok, where we are Play the Fight Song. Shout well, out Jake for that. We're growing still yeah. on the old TikTok. Well, we're always growing. Uh, shout out Casey for being in here. We appreciate your viewership. What's up, brother? And following. <laughs> Love you. Yes, he's in the family somehow, some way. 
Um, but we appreciate you being here. We'll see you next time. Jake, take us away. Receptacle for barbecues, tailgates, fairs, and festivals. And you, sir, do not have a pair of testicles if you prefer drinking from glass. Hey, Red Solo Cup is cheap and disposable. In 14 years, they are decomposable. And unlike my home, they are not foreclosable. Freddie Mac kissed my ass. Woo! Red Solo Cup. I fill you up. Let's have a play.